a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio. And we're going to try to help you slow things down just a little bit, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense today. And we'll cover uh, a lot today, both in terms of the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Uh, got some great guests coming up, including Janetta Williams will join us uh, from the Salt Lake, the Utah chapter of the NAACP. And uh, important day of service uh, today. We'll talk about that coming up at 1135. Uh, I want to know what you're doing today. If you're at work, if you've got the day off, uh, what are you doing to really honor this day? This is one of those days where uh, we often talk about Martin Luther King Jr., and I think that's an important thing. Uh, We also have to act like him. We have to do some things uh, to actually make a difference. So we'll focus on that as we go through the day today as well. Uh, Currently back in our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., of course, preparations are well underway for the inauguration of Joseph Biden. Uh, to be the 46th president of the United States, and Kamala Harris will be the vice president. Uh, She resigned just about uh, an hour ago. Uh, She resigned her Senate seat for the state of California, and uh, she is preparing now for taking over the office of the vice presidency. And it's always interesting to uh, to take a look at how uh, everyone is preparing, what they're focusing on rolling into the inauguration. Uh, We learned earlier this morning Uh, that Senator Harris uh, will take her oath of office as the incoming vice president uh, using the Bible that uh, was owned by Thurgood Marshall, uh, the first black uh, Supreme Court justice of the United States of America. Uh, I think that's a a beautiful thing, a very nice touch, and uh, we'll be interested to hear all the backstory around how that came about and I think that's a, a great thing, a really nice touch, I think, in, in terms of her taking that oath of office, again, on the Bible uh, that was owned by Thurgood Marshall, a former Supreme Court Justice of the United States. Uh, and then, of course, it's going to shift very quickly uh, between now and uh, Inauguration Day on Wednesday. And uh, the Capitol, of course, uh, continues to have over 25,000 National Guard members. Everyone I've spoken to back in Washington I said the town just feels a little eerie. Uh, that town is always a little bit eerie when uh, it's empty. Uh, it's designed to be the place of the people. Uh, and it's a, it's a place of freedom. It's a place where people from all around the world come uh, just to be there, just to walk it. Uh, and I think we have to, to step back and remember what that, what that really means. I and mean, if you think about it, uh, it, it's not all that impressive a place. Uh, in the summer, it's just brutal. It's just hot and muggy and awful. Uh, and in the winter, it's just cold and windy and damp. And yet people come around to to look at 
monuments uh, and structures that, in comparison with the rest of the world, are not all that old and not particularly all that extraordinary in terms of uh, what they represent. Uh, but but that's the point. It's what they represent. And it, it saddens me uh, that especially on a, a week like this, uh, that it is empty. Uh, I have seen over and over, I've seen tens of thousands of people move through the United States Capitol from all around the world. And they do so in kind of a hushed reverence for what it represents. And so it saddens me that uh, that is not open. Uh, that is a little bit of an eerie thing to me to see that, to see it so empty. Uh, but I hope that as things pivot, as we begin to shift, as we begin to move forward, uh, that they'll be able to ease that back and uh, once again let that be the people's house and let that be the people's place where a democracy, where our republic uh, can continue to, to move forward and uh, the work of the people can continue as well. But it's an important place for people. Uh, it's, it's not a place designed uh, for the leaders. Uh, many people have said that, you know, the White House is not all that impressive compared to a lot of the big palaces and places that uh, heads of other countries get to live. But it's the people's house. And who lived there, what they did there uh, matters. And so hopefully we will return to that in, in the coming days. And uh, once we get to uh, to Wednesday and the inauguration, we're going to have a great show tomorrow. We're going to look behind the scenes uh, with someone who's actually been part of planning and chaired uh, the planning committees uh, for some of these uh, presidential inaugurations over the years. And uh, that's a fascinating thing for me to look at, all the details that go into planning that kind of event. And then having to plan that kind of event in this kind of environment uh, has got to be a, a really high degree of difficulty. So we'll we'll take a look at that. And then on to governing, of course. The Biden administration is revving the engines. They are going to be ready to roll beginning at noon on Wednesday. And uh, from all indications, they are going to move rapidly starting on Wednesday. There was a memo that was circulated among the senior staff uh, by Ron Klain, who is the incoming chief of staff to the president-elect Joe Biden. It outlined some of the actions, uh, some of the areas of focus they're going to have in their first 10 days. And specifically, they, they talked about some areas of real concern, uh, some areas that they wanted to go after and the interesting thing to me is they're going to go after almost all of these in the form of executive orders. And you've heard me on this program many times uh, decry the problem with executive orders, because what can be done by executive order can be undone by executive order. And we've seen that. And what it really ends up creating is uncertainty. We've seen that here in the state of Utah. We've seen uh President Barack Obama declare a national monument by executive order, not going through Congress, not going through the right uh, processes or procedures. And then President Trump came in and undid uh, that executive order from, by, with his own executive order, uh, changing the bear's ears and a few of those things. And now I suspect we'll see uh, President Biden go back and redo those. Uh, we know that one of the things that uh, President Joe Biden will do again once he is sworn in on Wednesday is uh, he will go after uh, some of the immigration policies that were declared uh, by President Trump by executive order. And uh, so all of those things, I think, create a series of challenges. And, and so we I wanted to just pause for a second and just 
we have to think through why we are at this place where everything is being done by executive order. And the reason is because Congress has continued to give power to the executive branch for decades. And guess what? The executive branch is all too happy to take it. And it doesn't matter which party you belong to. And so more and more presidents are leaning and inclined to take the power that has been abdicated by the Congress and do things by executive order. And then what happens? A lawsuit. And then the lawsuit starts working its way through the court system, ultimately ending up at the Supreme Court. If you ever wonder why we have such contentious hearings over our Supreme Court nominees, it's exactly this. It's because Congress is abdicating its power to the executive branch. The executive branch uses that power all too gladly, both sides of the aisle, and then somebody files a lawsuit and it works its way through the court. So then the Supreme Court uh, nominees become even more important because they're what are they going to rule on? They're going to rule on the constitutionality of executive orders. Uh, We saw during the Obama administration, uh, countless executive orders were overturned by the Supreme Court. We've seen a number of them during President Trump's term. Things he did by executive order that were then overturned by the Supreme Court. This is not how it's supposed to be done. We need to have the Congress, the lawmaking branch, needs to do its job and be accountable for it. Uh, the reason they like to abdicate and let the executive branch do it is so they don't have to be accountable. They can just shrug their shoulders and say, ah, you know, that's that's an agency problem. Go complain to them. Don't bother me. Uh, and so that's uh, really part of the problem. So while I think the Biden administration will try to move swiftly on a number of things uh, right out of the gate by executive order, uh, some of those are things that need to be tackled, uh, to be sure. Uh, But I'm just cautioning everyone, what is done by executive order can be undone by executive order, whether that's immigration, whether it's health care, whether it's public lands. And this is the vicious cycle we're in. It is fantastic for fundraising for political parties. I will tell you that it is not good for getting the business of the American people done and done properly. And we can do better. We need to have uh, different kinds of conversations about that. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, one of my favorite people, Janetta Williams, is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday and different ways it's being celebrated and commemorated. And most importantly, what we need to do about it ourselves coming up next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.